Hey, 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 it's your girl. Just call me Jay Nicole. And this bookcast is about none other than why yours truly. But most importantly, it's about life with my bookends. So who are or what are my bookends, you may ask? They are my wonderfully talented two sons, also known as my heart and my heartbeat. Without them, life just was incomplete. And I know a lot of people are like, eh, but one of the biggest things that I desired in life was to become a mother. And at 18, I was told that there was a slim to none chance that that would even happen. So when God bestowed them upon me, they made my life complete. And they hold me upright. They give me perspective on what life is and what I should be doing in life. They actually give me purpose each and every day. And because of them, I now have this podcast to share with you the day in the life of the walkers, but more specifically, the day in the life of Just Call Me Jay Nicole and life with my bookends. Hey, 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 it's your girl, Just Call Me Jay Nicole. And with only two days left of summer break, I am recording now from the comfort of my bed. And I'm not ashamed of it. It is 9.31 a.m. and it's rather early for me simply because I have been a louse and a slouch of sorts. (laughs) But no, seriously, I have. I've enjoyed not having to go to bed at a specific time because I didn't have to wake up at a specific time most of the summer. And while I did not travel a very much this summer um, like I normally do because of baseball, I did take on a turnaround trip of sorts. So I had the pleasure of driving seven whole hours to visit my son at Pirate City to see him um, sit. <laughs> yes, I watched my son sit. Um, he has not, he had not completed all of his progression work to go ahead and start playing baseball um, with the Pirates. And today is actually the first day that he is eligible to play. So we miss it by a day because we just got back in town yesterday. Last night, like 11. Um, it was a great task um, because I surprised him with his girlfriend. And um, during this journey, and I call it a journey because it was a hell of a drive. I actually did learn a lot about family. So I had a talk with the girlfriend and learned um, a lot about her family dynamic and allowed her a look into my family dynamic. So I won't go into detail before the sake of making sure that I'm not hurting people with the truth because I actually just led a lesson on how to speak your truth and not hurt people. So don't want to hurt anybody, but I do want to tell the truth.
A lot of times we are quick to pass judgment on others without knowing what their truth is, what their story is, what their walk is. But we want to cast stones when our lives are parallel. Like if we literally sat down and really got to know one another, our lives are not that far removed. One thing that I do know from the ex- ex- the extent of the conversations, yeah, I started a little bit there because I was trying to make sure I was saying this right, but there were some conversations that were had between my son and his girlfriend, and he relayed bits and pieces because he was very concerned about her, and well, I won't say concerned, he was just more like he didn't understand statement was made that I feel like I'm not good enough for you by the girlfriend and the girlfriend is already dealing with what I would consider self-esteem issues and it, she she may differ but that's my take on it. So I, I stand what I see. And I if she wants to correct me, please do. Uh, because I don't want to be wrong about where she is in life. But from a person who has self-esteem issues herself, I can see some similarities. Not to judge, but I pick up on them. And I want to do all things to encourage her to just be. But when I heard that statement, I was really like taken aback, but I understood what she was saying. He, my son, comes from a family that is extremely loving. We dote on one another. Sometimes we go above and beyond for our loved ones. And she sees all this positivity around him that she does not have. What she does not see is how we tear one another down. How there has been bouts of abuse, whether it be physical, mentally, spiritual. There has been abuse. How alcohol has played a huge part of it. How infidelity has part played a part in it. How spiritual warfare surrounds us. She didn't see that part. And when I took the time to sit down and talk to her, I realized that all she wants to do at the end of the day is be loved and accepted. And it's the one thing that she feels she has in my son. And I'm blessed to have a son who exudes that. Not just because she's his girlfriend, but because she is not the stereotypical girl. She is not 5'9", very lean, um, Kim Kardashian cookie cut. She's not. She's a pretty tall young lady who is robust and 
multicolored hair and comes from Cuban and Irish background. She is a young lady who struggled with her weight, but is extremely smart, has a full ride to college, has held down a, a, a job at the same time that she's been able to maintain her scholarship, and is in love with my, my son, and I'm okay. What I also learned during this journey is that my family is very judgmental. And as much as we welcome people into our lives, we still put on a facade that we're welcoming them into our lives because we really have walls up. And it leads to what we call mixed emotions. You give off one emotion to someone when your real emotions you're suppressing. I actually had to tell a family member that stop being fake. Be who you are because what happens is the person gravitates to the false person you you put up and they feel like they've made a connection. And then they're met with disappointment when they find out who the real you are. Who the real you is, rather. And I have a good girlfriend who just posted up something about dysfunctional families. How us suppressing and covering up dysfunctionality continues to make us dysfunctional. My family has always, on both sides, on all sides, been very great at sweeping things under the rug. And I know it's not just my family. I know it's tons of other families that do the same. But that is another reason why we end up in therapy. That's another reason why families fall out, especially when Big Mama Dam die. That's the reason why people turn their backs on lots of different things that were the glue to the family. Because instead of us dealing with the matter at hand, we turn a blind eye to it. We sweep it under the rug. We scave over it. We try not to talk about it because we feel like it's already a touchy subject and we don't want to talk about it because what happens when you touch a sore too much it gets infected or it doesn't heal properly what we're actually doing is putting a band-aid on a gunshot And it never heals. It never gets the proper attention. It never gets the proper repair. So this this bullet hole that you now have, which represents dysfunctionality, it just gets worse. And it can end up 
getting gangrene, guys. How many how many of you guys are out here living in families that have gangrene? That's deep, right? Like you guys have never healed in certain places. So it has become so grossly infected that y'all don't talk to one another. But you still, you know, you're like, that's, but that's my mom, but that's my sister, that's my brother, that's my father, that's my so-and-so. You just love them and you still come around and it's so dysfunctional. And you can't figure out why you guys can't move forward. You can't understand why so-and-so doesn't come over anymore. Can't figure out why you're always sick or he's always sick or she's always sick. Gangrene. It's killing y'all. It is killing you all. And here I sat and I'm like, wow. When I had to look at everything from my perspective in a place where I have truly gained some healing. And I said some guys. Because every day is a journey into me being healed. I will say that. But I'm I'm like, okay, I've gotten some healing. And then I start to look back on my family and other families. And I literally can see the places that I've been healed from. And I can also see like, wow, you're a whole entire mess person. It'd be my family who I'm talking to guys, by the way. But what happens when your family members are not ready to heal? And those places that you've been healed from, it's, it's almost like you've outgrown them. What I discovered over this past weekend is that depending on who the person is, you could actually have that conversation with them. Because my conversation, and this is the exact conversation, is that years ago, I could really say that I hated my mom because I didn't understand why she did some of the things that she did. I didn't understand why she was the person who she was. And I didn't understand how she failed to protect me and prepare me. But in 2019, with some healing of my own, I have much more, I have a better perception on who my mom is. And I have given her grace and mercy. I know I talked about this before. Because now I realize that my mom did the best that she could with the tools that were given to her and with the knowledge that she had gained. And I can't fault her for that. And I had to even give those little nuggets to the girlfriend and say, look, now, don't don't come down hard on your mom. I'm not saying that she has to forgive her. I'm not saying that she should have the best 
relationship because I've seen those types of posts. No, no, no. I'm not trying to force her onto her parents. Not by any means. But when you heal yourself, you free yourself. And when you recognize that sometimes the people who hurt you have no idea that they tr they hurt you because they weren't trying. They were just doing the best that they knew how. That person may not heal, but you can heal from it because you can get to a point where you forgive them and you can move on with your life. And forgiveness does not equate to you accepting them back into your life wholeheartedly and wanting to be a part of their a part of them each and every day. Forgiving them frees you. It allows you to set yourself free from whatever it is that they inflicted on you. It takes the guilt that you were bearing. Because what we find ourselves doing is we'll say, why did so-and-so do that to me? It must be something that I did. It must be something that I didn't do. It must be me. It, I need to, if, especially when I was going through my, my husband's cheating, I internalized everything. I was like, I must not be doing something right. I must not be sexy enough anymore. I need to lose weight. I must not be doing all this wild, freaky stuff in the bedroom, so I need to step my game up. I must be not doing this. I must not be doing that. It must be me. It must be me. It must be me. It ain't had nothing to do with me. I did not hold a gun to his head. And say, go step out on your marriage. I did not. Coerce him. To do anything outside of the realm of what the sanctity of our marriage should be. Now I can hear some people saying, you know, hey, it's because you were nagging him or you had just become all mom. Let me tell y'all the lies you tell. The entire course of my relationship with the husband from dating up until this point has always been about let's do something for us. I saw where we were getting into the rut and routine of being just mom and dad. And I knew how detrimental it could be on the relationship. And so I always encouraged dating. Let's keep this spicy. Let's keep it sexy. Let's do this. Let's do that. It has to be two willing participants in a marriage. And if you get married for the wrong reason, as much as you put on a facade that you are in love with the person who you are married to, the truth will be told. Period. I've gained weight, but I know how to get into my clothes and I can know how to look good in my clothes. I know how to dress up and look bad. I can be the freak in the bedroom that he wants. And then I could be a lady in the streets. Okay.
Are there some things that I can improve upon? Of course. Who couldn't? But all the things that I later learned out that my husband was seeking in other women were the same things that I was seeking in him. Tell me that you love me. Show me that you love me. But the ironic part about it was that I was doing those things that I had been asking for. I told my husband that I loved him. I showed him that I loved him. I tried to do everything, including going to counseling. And it didn't work. But whenever you put a facade on something, that's what people see. So when people learned about the infidelity, it was, oh, no, no, you guys are like the perfect couple. You're like the best parents ever. And and I was like, okay, you guys definitely don't know us as well as you think you do. And the same thing goes for family. The people who I thought were a particular way, especially during this journey this weekend, because I've healed in in some of those places where they sit in their hurt. When I got a chance to be one-on-one with them and I saw their wound, I was like, yo, this is sick. Like, I I was hurt right there, too. And I'm like, here, girlfriend, I'm throwing you a bone. Let's heal together. And that person's not ready. With my husband, I was like, okay, look, how how can this be possible? But I'm I you're begging this girl to tell you that you you that that she love you. But I tell you, I love you all the time. What is it? What's wrong? What do you need? And then your your friends and family think that we like got it all together. Like why? Why why not live in our truth? Why not get up every day and if we're miserable about allow people to see our misery? Why don't we get up and if you are not happy about the way your spouse looks. And I know this is a touchy subject because I've had to have these conversations. Say, hey, babe, you know, you can do it in a way that's respectful. I will say that. I will I will add that in there. Let's go work out together. Let's go for a walk. Let's do something active together. You ain't got to slam one another. Just like I was holding this conversation with a family member over over this weekend and said, look, you don't know this person's story. You have no idea what her background is. You don't have any idea what she's been up against. So you can't pass judgment. You know, I'm not saying that you have to like this person, but you can't really go based on the little snippet of what they have given you into their life. You can't do, you can't go on that. If you 
really want to know more, ask. Talk to people. But until then, give give people grace and mercy. You have no idea what they're up against. It's things like this, the judgment part, the fact that we don't give people grace and mercy that often leads to bullying. And I see this at school. You have no idea what's going on with people. And so you pick at them. You outcast them. You make them feel worse than what they already do. Based on the same things that they feel bad about already. And then the end result is you hear on the news. Your kids tell you from Snapchat or something that this person has taken their life. All based on superficial BS. Because we didn't take the time to learn who people are. Before we made a snap decision on who they were. And a rash decision on what they're about. I'm not saying that we got to walk around and be accepting of everybody. And just be like, well, you know what? I'm just going to say that I like this person even though I don't. And I'm not saying that. But when someone is in, is is allowed into your fold, the best thing for you to do is to get to know that person as best as you can. And not even pass judgment because if I, whew, if I wanted to pass judgment, um, most of my family would not be my family. I would just completely write them off and be like, nope. <laughs> don't want to be related to you. I could very easily disown parents. We all could. Our parents can disown us for that matter. But I mean, seriously. We have to really think about our family dynamic and how dysfunctional we are in it and how our dysfunctionality affects our train of thought and how judgmental we become on other people based on the dysfunctionality of our family. We start casting stones on the very things that make us dysfunctional when we see them in other people. And then on top of that, when we're casting these stones, we are throwing Nope, got a better analogy for it. We're pouring salt into the wounds of other people. The wounds that they're already trying to debris, seek medical attention, heal. Some of us are even devious enough to pull the scabs off of what's being healed. Remove the stitches and sutures that are there. Whatever you may be. I don't know why I'm going to a whole medical terminology, but there you have it. That's what we do when we're being judgmental, when we're living our lives in a dysfunctional matter. But instead of us trying to seek healing for our dysfunctionality, we are casting stones at the same things that we see ourselves going through in other people. I actually am sitting and writing a book. I've shared this with you guys already. So I'm writing a book. And I literally 
had to pause at some points because I'm like, this is absolutely bizarre. And as much as I want to be angry right now, I can't because it's going to affect my healing. But what I can do is recognize how this person did me wrong. I can address it now and say, hey, you know, when you I know this is really weird, but remember back when the blah, 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 blah. That really hurt me. But um, I forgive you. And that could be the whole conversation. It ain't even got to go any further because I'm going to let you know now. Sometimes that person will be willing to receive what you're telling them. And sometimes they will not. And more than likely they will not because you would have literally snatched a bandaid off of a place that they thought that had been healed and forgot that there was even a wound there. But work on getting yourself healed. Work on it. Even if you're in a dysfunctional family, I live in a dysfunctional marriage each and every day. I choose to stay in it. But every day I work on me. There are some days that I have moments where I backslide and I'm like, oh, bump that. I want to be petty as hell. And I am am that person. But what I gain from it is absolutely nothing. I look back on I, my pettiness starts a conversation or well, actually an argument that is more harmful than it is good to my health. My blood pressure probably goes up. I'm all breathing hard. I'm crying because that's how I, I am when I'm mad. I cry. Um, and I pretty much have allowed the other person to win. And it's not about winning or losing, but if I had to gain my composure and be like, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to deal with this today. Be blessed and leave it. I learned that two people can't, that two people can argue, but one person cannot argue alone. And sometimes we just got to walk away. So what kind of dysfunctionality are you living in? What kind of stones are you casting that are extremely similar to some of the dysfunctionality that you're living in? Who out there have you thrown stones at? Whose scabs have you picked with? Whose stitches have you cut before they have healed? Only to realize that this person is so, so very similar to who you are as a whole, they're going through some of the exact same things that you're going through. Who out there do you need to give grace and mercy to? It could be your, be, be yourself, honestly. It could be that you are that person you are throwing stones at. It could be that it's you who needs grace and mercy. It could be you that needs that forgiveness, that, that apology. But think about that. How can we help heal one another? How can we help pull one another up out of the dysfunctional rut of life and family so that we can move forward as a people, a strong people, a healed people? 
And I know this, guys, is a little on the deep side. You, you know, sometimes I just get like that. But I needed to share this with you all. So think about that. Make sure you drop me some info on how you're feeling, which I had to say about this podcast today. You can do so at just call me Jane Nicole at gmail.com. And that's J-U-S-T-C-A-L-L-M-E. The letter J-N-I-C-O-L-E at gmail.com. Or hit me on my social media platforms. You can find me on social media, um, excuse me, on Facebook and Instagram at Just Call Me Jane Nicole and on Twitter at the number two will confirm. Until next time, you guys, this is Just Call Me Jane Nicole and I'm out. <laughs>